freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports Station. And Brooke Warr, you are. And Brooke, you are. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Let that fire! Well, generally, right around Valentine's Day, I know a lot of people think of it as a reminder to get flowers or do something sweet for their significant other. To me, Valentine's Day always signifies pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training. It's always right around here. Mm-hmm. Right around Valentine's Day, the pitchers and catchers report. Usually the Daytona 500 is right around. When's that? Is that this weekend? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, usually Daytona 500 is right around now as well. And pitchers and catchers report. And the world is tilted upright again. My life is complete. I get very happy. I love this. It means that spring, at least in most of the country, is right around the corner. It means that we get to go down to Peoria. We're going to be down there uh, not next week, but the week after. Right. Looking Mm -hmm. forward to that. I can't wait for that. Mm -hmm. That's going to be awesome. Uh, All four of us are going to be there. Justin, Mora, Brock, myself. And this year, Brock, we actually have something new that we're going to need to do. I don't know that you know about this. But uh, we have a we have a what would I call it almost a challenge or an assignment that I think is going to be important for us to go go through with while we're there. So yesterday, Chris Langan, who is uh, at Driveline, was on with Wyman and Bob. And he had quite a bit to say about Matt Brash. I played it for you earlier. He said that his slider might be the best pitch in Major League history, which is neither here nor there. But here's a reason why he is so successful. He's never thrown a pitch like this before, right? So he's so used to seeing that slider move about 15 inches. you got to find a grip. Grab, uh, Brash has very unusual fingers. Um, also, like, finding a pitch grip for him, I mean, it, it was kind of difficult because the way he drifts the ball is just so niche compared to every single other player uh, that I've worked with. So that took a decent amount of time. And to be frank, the first the first day didn't, like, go that well. It, you know, he was kind of backing him up, and he, he couldn't find a grip that he liked. And then he came back two days later, basically, during his assessment. And that's basically where we saw, hey, you threw about 15 of these, and, you know, 11 of them were acceptable. That's because he's got weird fingers, and that goes on to give us a little bit more information. His middle finger, he can hook the ball. Like, uh, it, it's nothing like the only other guys I can think of is maybe Alex Cobb. How much torque he could create yeah. and everything else. Felix, as well, was a guy that I think was celebrated because of all those pitches and his changeup and everything that he could do within his grip. I then obviously moved to Goblin Hands. I mean, right. she was an amazing instructor down there, yoga instructor. I'm curious if she's still around the ball club or not. She's not. No. Okay, so Goblin Hands isn't around there. And then you do go to Pringles Fingers, right? I mean, that's kind of <laughs> the kind of been the trajectory here of what we're dealing with. And now we get to Matt yeah, Brash. Now we'll, now we'll compare and contrast Matt Brash. Yeah. And if you fingers, thought, that, thank you very much. And oh. if and if you thought that I asked Damon in San Francisco about measuring his hands right. at Brock Purdy's. You Just wait. Be, you better believe when Pringles Fingers yeah. and Matt Brash get together, yes. you're going to see, you know, some some stuff. I feel bad for Matt Brash. I don't, think, I don't know if he wants to compare. Oh, I'm fingers. sure he'll be into it. He's Canadian. He's a nice uh-huh. kid. Yes. I really. We enjoyed talking to him last year, though, when we were down there. He's a, he's actually a pretty good interview. Are we actually going to see him? Because he'll be with the WBC. Oh, that's right? a good question. Oh, Team no, they don't leave until afterwards. Brock. That we'll, starts we'll, the eighth. Yeah, we're going to still see them. Okay. Don't worry. Yes, oh, we we will right. get to see all, all right. of the WBC guys when we're good. down there. Um, as I said, uh, number one guy that I'm looking forward to seeing is Luis Castillo. I know you guys made fun of me, but with that in mind, I thought I would read you the little uh, Valentine's Day poem that I wrote for Luis. 
Thank you. Get me in. Get our music ready. So creepy. Maura gave us the assignment of writing Valentine's Day poems. So here's one that I created for my guy, Luis. Luis Castillo, how much do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love your change-up when it's down in the zone. I love your four-seamer. It's bad to the bone. So calm on the mound. Intimidation on that hill. But focused you are. A heartbeat so still. A full season of innings. The K-signs will be strung. And when it's all over, your award... A Cy Young. When you take the mound, other teams can't beat you. You're here for many years. You're my La Pedra. <laughs> okay. It kept getting weirder. Did it? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't it Piedra? Whatever, Maura. You got to take a little poetic <laughs> license when you're doing poetry, especially with other languages. My gosh, yeah, cut me some slack right, here. Sorry, just want to make sure you don't offend your love. What else are you going to rhyme with La Piedra? I didn't have anything else. The Theatra? I mean, like, there's there's only so many so many ways to rhyme with that. And I wanted to get his nickname in there. If uh, if any of you are Spanish teachers yes. and can translate yeah. Salk's uh, poem oh, to yes. Spanish, right? Then we can then transcribe it, put it on a card, and yes. give it to Luis nice. in just two weeks. I'm sure he would love that. I think Nothing would creep get, him out less. No. Like, I mean, just with, with the last two things that we've brought up, we're going to get restraining orders put on us at spring training. <laughs> Between the love for Luis and the, you know, yep. Rash making, and Castillo, we're going to yeah. be like, get these people away from me. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and that seems like pretty do. much what we can expect when we get down there. Can I hear? Can I hear the sound, Justin? You said it's in the system. Can I just get my kind of what my appetite for two weeks? Oh, it it's mm. the sound of the cleats on the cement oh, there. The spikes, right? They put their spikes by the door. Mm-hmm. They still put the spikes by the door when they're mm-hmm. done practicing. It's oh, a great sound. The birds <laughs> chirping. Such a the spikes day. clanking. <laughs> Let's well, what is go. it? ASMR? Yeah. Yeah. Let's That's romantic go. Valentine's Day sound. I don't know what could be more romantic than that. Then you start hearing the sound of the, you know, the pop of the mitt. Oh. You hear the crack of the bat. Oh. The pitchers start working out right behind us. They start doing yes. their driveline stuff. And they're whipping the, you know, big yes. heavy medicine. <laughs> Stop that. Big head. Do not do that again. <laughs> what? This is a family program. It is 808 in the morning. I would yes. like you to know. I'm going to say no to okay. your yes. I no! I'm putting a full-on no <laughs> to whatever that was with your yes. That was not Valentine's Day go. appropriate. There we go. Let me hear that. There you go. Yep. Yep. That's a good sound right there. Mm. Oh, do yeah. You, do you prefer <laughs> Do you prefer that or the pop in the mint? Do, you know, just from just a pure a purest baseball perspective. <laughs> Because we're closer, right? We, we tend to be closer, right? The there to the pitchers yeah. and the catchers. I like that. Yeah, I'm going to take yeah. the pop of the mid. Yeah, I think when that really when that sound. when those guys are throwing yep. 98 and they're yep. popping the mid direct, like it's such a great sound. Yep. I told you. I mean, we we've talked about it a bunch, but that moment that Justin and I spent last year, a few feet away from Matt Brash throwing his bullpen, we're just mm. like, oh my god, it's a leg mm-hmm. buckle. It really was him. remarkable, right? I mean, yep. we were in the we were. On the right-hand batter's box side, not that we were in the batter's box, and just seeing, I mean, from even 15 feet over, just seeing how that pitch moved, I do see why that kid said, he, or said, why that guy said it was the greatest pitch in Major League history. It, 
is pretty ridiculous. Mm. So, all right. Uh, Andrew Brandt's going to join us coming up in 20 minutes. We will have more Valentine's Day poems. Mora has written a poem to a potential Seahawk free agent target. She'll read that in just a couple minutes. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, salesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. When are they going to release David Carr? What are they waiting for? It's 8.15. Let's go. Come on. Chop, chop. Get David Carr out here. We want to find out where he's going and what that looks like. We know they've got to do it today. I don't know why they didn't do it yesterday. They're just trying to be difficult. These two sides hate each other that much. He's going to be gone. Today is the day they're supposed to give him a $40 million bonus, so they've got to cut him by the end of the day, and that will start to set the market because he doesn't need to wait for free agency. He doesn't need to wait for March like Gino and everybody else does to sign somewhere else because he'll be released rather than having his contract expire. He's a free agent immediately and can sign wherever he wants, and so that, Brock, will be the market. We'll talk to Andrew Brand about it in 15 minutes. What do you think he gets? Don't you think that's advantageous before I answer that? Don't you think Huge. that's advantageous for the Seahawks and really for Gino as well to start to get a feel for, for the, where, where the market is? Now, how reasonable will Gino be? Because the body of work for Derek Carr and Gino Smith, very, very different. Now, the body is also very different, kind of moving ahead. Gino, I think, still a lot more tread on the tires. Certainly, Derek's taken a beating in this league and been available. And as for, like, is there spite between the two? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a little spite. And would it surprise me at all if Mark Davis and Joshy Boy wait till 11.59.59 to terminate tonight just because they could? Wouldn't surprise me at all in that manner as well. What do I think he's going to get? I think he's going to get I, – I think he's going to be made whole. So whatever he was expecting to get and what was on his deal with those Raiders. And, again, Andrew Brandt will have a little more beat, a little more connection than you and I and most have out there as to what that looks like. But – I don't think he's losing many pennies off of what he was going to make in Vegas. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, Mariners players arriving in Peoria ahead of their first workout, which will be on Thursday. Reporting day for pitchers and catchers is tomorrow. Uh, Tweeted out some videos yesterday. The Mariners did of Robbie Ray, George Kirby, Andres Munoz, all throwing either on the mound or in the outfield. Colton Wong was at the facility working out as well, and that was cool. He was doing some defensive drill work with Perry Hill, which is exactly where you want him to be. If they can get his defense back to where it was a couple of years ago, and that's sort of been Perry Hill's calling card, that's a really nice weapon to have, given what he's done with J.P. Crawford and Eugenio Suarez over the last couple of years as well. Matt Brash, we were just talking about him. He's been working out at Driveline all offseason. Apparently, he's made a pretty big impression. Here's Chris Lagan from Driveline on yesterday with Wyman and Bob. The known things, obviously, are, I mean, I, I think you could pretty realistically say his slider is maybe the best pitch in terms of, like, pitch movement and velocity uh, in, like, Major League history. Like, I actually think it's like that uh, absurd how good the stuff of that pitch is. Um, and the curveball is obviously pretty darn good, too. It's got a little more depth, so it can kind of be the uh, another option for left-handed hitters. And as far as that cutter goes, that uh, that other pitch to maybe add to the repertoire, I think still a work in progress. We'll get to see in the WBC, he will participate for Team Canada, whether or not he starts to unleash that, because Mike, as we've learned, he's got a very strong middle finger. He can hook that ball with his middle finger in ways that other guys can't. He's got some sick stuff, man. He really does. He's got, we saw it last year. It is totally filthy. 
he grew into being one of the highest leverage guys. He and Munoz don't think that will change into this season. Oh, I think it's going to change. I think he's going to be even higher leverage this year. Mm. I mean, I, I think he is going to be a guy Munoz, they use and trust. Brash, uh-huh. And then Seawalt. Yeah, I think it, I think that's going to be the order in terms of big-time spots. We'll see, obviously, how it develops, and they're going to have to earn it, et cetera. But won't surprise me at all if Brash becomes their second highest leverage reliever. And it won't year. surprise me at all, to your point about Colton Wong, to see he and JP get a little extra work, mm-hmm. right? Some of those new changes in the shifts and everything those guys have been used to, being a little bit more stationary, some of that's going to be going away and being a little more reactionary will be key. Plenty of new rules, as you know, this year in baseball, Brock, but one newer rule is going to be sticking around. The league announced yesterday that the extra innings ghost runner is going to remain permanently now during the regular season. So it's been uh, temporary. They've been renewing it each year. Now it'll be uh, here forever. Great. Here's the third thing you need to know. Kraken will get back to it tonight in Winnipeg. Another good matchup, man. These two teams have right around the same amount of points, and uh, the Jets have been playing good hockey. They are second in the Central Division, and it looks like everyone's come back to the NFL. 113 million people Mm. watched the Super Bowl, third highest ever. Now, did I also see that there were more people, though, for the halftime show than for the Super Bowl? Yeah, 118 million. Sheesh, that's a pretty remarkable number. Uh, Next year, they go to Vegas and then New Orleans. So those are uh, your next couple of Super Bowls. Yeah, I don't know if you saw, was it the Magruder tape? Is that? Uh, did you see the dancer, how close one of those dancers came to falling off? No. Uh, I didn't see it in real time either. But yeah, there was video yesterday, stumbled on the platform oh, and was on, like, within, seriously, like uh, Jordan Spieth range at Pebble Beach, of falling off of that platform during that performance. Hey, did on you say Magruder? Sunday. Did you mean, like, the Zapruder film? Zapruder. Yeah, Zapruder. That's what I meant. Magruder. Magruder. Yeah, go ahead and Google it or check it out on your social media. I didn't. It was not obviously brought to anyone's attention, but it was a pretty little scary scene there. And as far as the numbers, 113 million, that's pretty good. Yeah. It didn't top the 114.6 million that watched been your the guy, Pat- Kevin Burkhart. Patriots in those scenes. I'll spend Kevin Burkhart. Burkhart brought, good, he brought in the people. What can you do? Burkhart was great. All right, that's everything you need to know. Uh, quarter past every hour, even on Valentine's Day. And yes, we've got lots of Valentine's Day poems. Maura asked us to put together some poems for people, and she has one of her own. Maura, what do we what do we have back there? Oh, oh no. Um, okay. Let me... <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Exciting. Oh, that's powerful. Oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> All right, mine was simple. I feel like some of these uh, people uh, got really elaborate with it, so oh, I, oh, I don't oh, know oh, if mine no. stands up. Oh no. Who is this like to? That. This is to Duran Payne. Oh. Your jersey is red. Your opponents end up black and blue. You love sacks. And we do, too. Happy Valentine's Day from the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, that's very nice. That was sweet. I like that. You want to read some of the uh, texts that you got? Um, sure. <laughs> uh, this one came in earlier this morning. I, I should have gotten the area code. I didn't. But <laughs> a girl with freakishly long fingers <laughs> who is also a pretty good singer. She knows about sports and kicks sulk in the shorts. Hey. And my crush on this girl, it will linger. Aww. <laughs> Sort of a limerick for you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say 509 on that one. Yeah. That sounds, it smells like a 509. <laughs> well, uh, it sounded sort of innocent. Yeah. This one's for Gino. Hmm. Gino, it's not you, it's us. Our defense is really a bust. You've been really great, but quarterback must wait till we have a D we can trust. Oh, that's cool. Sweet. That's cute. Short. Yeah. I got a couple of uh, tweets if you want them. 
This one's from uh, Captain Mojo. Julio, where art thou, Julio? It's been months since we've seen your speed and infectious smile. It's been too long since we saw your diving catches and home run trot. I've had restless nights thinking of a deeper playoff run. You're only here to save this franchise. No pressure. <laughs> is that what it is? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got this one from Robbie. Sometimes he'll amaze and he gets along with brethren. Another reason Gino rocks is not paying execs over sick children. That's from uh, Robbie. Pro Mojo. Oh, that's some high heat right there. That's high heat from the hill. There you go. All right, you can keep them coming if you've got uh, any ideas for uh, a Valentine's Day poem for any local athlete or us or whomever. You can uh, text it to uh, 866-979-3776. That's a Mac and Jack's text line, or you can tweet it at us. I got a whole bunch more. Don't worry. They keep coming in. Wait, wait. I love this one. Roses red, violets blue, calling it ranked. Yeah. Screw you. Oh. <laughs> that was from the 509. We'll have more to come. Uh, Andrew Brent, uh, who is an expert in the business side of what's going on in the NFL, former agent, former front office executive. He'll help us with this quarterback market next. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports Station. Well, it's a Valentine's Day special today of Brock and Salk. We've had all kinds of great uh, poems that have been sent in. I like this one brought just a moment ago. Pitchers and catchers are reporting. Matt Brash will punch tickets. But all we care about is Mora's long digits. Solid. <laughs> it's getting creepy, guys. Is it? Punches tickets. Definitely a theme in there. Hey, I know we have Andrew Brand on, and, uh, and we'll get off of poems, and we'll get to Andrew here in a yeah. second. But I did just get some odds. I've kind of become the odds guy, I mm. guess. Uh, I did get some odds on where Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, and Lamar Jackson end oh. up next. Okay. Uh, let's see. Ten different teams for oh Derek Carr was were the Seahawks one of them? Uh, no, not even Rodgers. Twelve different teams were the Seahawks one of them? Um, no, <laughs> Lamar Jackson one two three four five six seventy nine ten eleven twelve different teams Seahawks no, not on there. Not a one of them. Okay. So the Ozods makers <laughs> seem to think that Geno and Seattle are going to get a deal done sure and seems not that way. even in play for any of well, those. Well, what three. a uh, lead in then to our friend Andrew Brand, who we haven't talked to in way too long. Hello, sir. How are you? Always good to be with you guys. Doing well, thanks. Well, we miss you. Uh, and, and what a great time to talk to you is free agency isn't quite here yet, although for Derek Carr, I guess it will be by the end of the day because he'll be yeah. released and have a, a leg up on everybody else trying to sign Let's start here with with Seattle, and then we'll get to some of these other quarterbacks. Do you believe that they're going to get a deal done with Geno Smith? Yeah, I mean, it is a busy time, especially for people like me, when you analyze what's going to happen the next, you know. (laughs) Now the games are over. It gets busy for people like me. Geno's one of these quarterbacks in this market. I've never seen a market like this. In other words, usually the only people on the market for quarterbacks are people – that know what he wants you know it's it's going to be the sort of backups the tyrod taylors the guys that are going to be placeholders for the rookies coming in and now you've got this big group so where is Carr going to go where's rogers going to go where's garoppolo going to go 
where is Gino going to go? Where's Daniel Jones going to go? What about some of these other guys? So I think the easiest answers are Gino Smith stays, Daniel Jones stays, and then we'll go through some others. But it just seems natural. You know, it seems like the Seahawks aren't going to get into bidding for like, like you just said, in terms of those odds, they're not going to bid for those guys and they're going to go with what they've had and what was successful for them this year. To me, this is more interesting to me is what's the deal, not who's the deal. Because as I study these quarterback contracts, there really hasn't been a middle market. You know, it's been rookie deals and backups making six, seven, eight million dollars. And it's been $40 million elite quarterbacks. So Gino's not going to be one of those, in my opinion. So he's not going to be the $40 million level, and he's not going to be the $10 million level. So then it becomes, what's the level? That's the interesting negotiation point to me is, is Geno Smith going to take a middle deal or look to the marketplace and see if he can get more than that, which he has every right to do. It feels, Andrew, as you're rattling names off there then, doesn't it feel a little more Ryan Tannehilly, Kirk Cousiny, maybe that 30 to 35 that the, the conversation in our market here has been, well, it's probably going to start at that franchise tag of $32.5 million or so, that that's what Gino and, and his camp is going to be looking for. Is that good business for John Schneider and Pete Carroll and the Seahawks to be looking at? Yeah, I mean, it, the obvious answer is, what do you think of Geno Smith? I mean, I think there are people listening to what you just said, Brock, and going, Jesus, that's a lot of money for Geno Smith. But you're right. And the market you talked about with Kirk and the other guys is, is a little bit old. You know, it's a little bit a couple years ago. So does Geno, A, think that's a great deal? Does Geno say, no, I think we need to be more up to date with the market? Look what I did last year compared to the top guys. And how are the Seahawks going to handle this? And how long? And I don't want to get too inside my business, but really the issue with these contracts, as I pointed out all along, is not how much. It's how secure. So the Seahawks are probably looking at this like, you know, whether we give them 60 million over the next two or 70 million over the next two, get out. Can we get out? Can we get out potentially even next year, a la Derek Carr? Or can we get out at least in two years without remaining financial guarantees, without remaining big cap hits? So I think these negotiations are about a lot more than how much. So that's what we're looking at. Andrew, my, my question on this has more to do with roster construction because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I don't care how much Gino gets paid. I hope for his sake he gets paid a lot, generational money. He deserves yeah. it. That's great. But my interest is in the Seahawks building a roster that can win a Super Bowl. So how, how, how do you work that, that cap number so that you can sign him to a deal that he's okay with and still upgrade a roster, especially defensively, that last year was not good enough to be a Super Bowl contender? You're hitting a sore spot for me, Mike. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. I, I did Philly radio. Same question about Hertz. I did Cincinnati radio, same question about Burrow. I did L.A. radio, same question about Herbert. Listen, let me try to be very clear on this. It's a cop-out. It's a tired excuse. 
for teams, for fans, for media to say, you can't build a Super Bowl roster if you have a high-level quarterback. That, to me, is such BS. Such BS. Think about football these days. You got 50 to 70% of your roster is on rookie contracts, first four years. Right? So give them a conservative million-dollar cap figure for each of those guys. So now you've got over half your roster counting about $30 million cap. So now you've got $190 million to deal with the rest of your roster. And again, I can't say this strongly enough. It's not paying your quarterback $40 million that gets you in cap trouble. That is not what gets any of these teams in cap trouble. What gets teams in cap trouble is bad deals that go south, paying the wrong guys, having so much dead money in your cap for deals that didn't work out. And, you know, this is not the issue. It's never the issue whether you can pay a quarterback and build a good roster around it. Mahomes has a high quarterback, a high number. He just led the team to the Super Bowl. They got a team around him. I mean, this is something I don't know where this narrative came out. Mm. Well, I managed the Green Bay Packers for 10 years. We had the highest paid quarterback in the league. Never a problem. I don't mind that, though, Andrew. I think to me it's a slightly different conversation. I, I, I agree okay. with you on that. I agree. If you've got uh, any of those quarterbacks you just mentioned, if you've got Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, if you've got Patrick Mahomes, if you've got one of the five guys or so in this league that are elite, you should absolutely pay them and figure it out. And we saw the Chiefs do it by going young elsewhere and play, paying a lot of young players. The question is, if you don't have one of those elite guys – is it worth paying a significant amount of money or are you better off going with a quarterback on a rookie deal or making less money like a Drew Locke, for example, who's been here in the system for a year and trying to spend that money elsewhere like the Eagles did on a lot of veteran players around him who can help carry a younger or not as not as high profile quarterback to victory? Yeah, I mean, again, it comes down to cash versus cap. If you're worried about cap and you have a significant veteran roster you can make some push out in other words you can take some short-term gain and have some long-term pain obviously teams like the rams the saints they've done this repeatedly and the rams for one are paying the piper now but if you have a young team you probably want to structure it a little differently and you can load some cap in other words, you don't have to do these signing bonuses that push out the pain. If you want to pay Geno Smith $25 million you can, in first year, you can get him you know, a $20 million cap number. So you have flexibility later because you've got a young team and you can save the money for later. It all depends on this. But you know the Seahawks better than I do. I'm here from afar, but it seems like you've got a really young team and you don't have many elite contracts. So most teams have six or seven elite contracts, and it's usually the quarterback, the left tackle, the pass rusher, the shutdown corner, maybe one or two others. And then they're filling in around it. And, you know, I look at the Seahawks as a young team with all these rookie contracts. You could probably load a lot of cap into Geno Smith this year. Mm -hmm. 
I, I've got two more questions, one Gino, one Lamar. Uh, when yeah. it comes to now timing, Andrew, you said the Super Bowl ends Sunday. It is now Valentine's Day. I think it's March 6th is the franchise tag. So tell me from inside how this works over the next couple of weeks. You were on the inside. You were with the Packers. You negotiated these contracts. Uh, from a timing standpoint, as we sit here just kind of waiting for any smoke, right, to come out, out of the out of the chimney when it comes to these decisions, what happens specifically timing-wise over the next couple of weeks? Well, you mentioned the tag. That's probably the first deadline. The first time action happens, as you know, my saying, deadlines for action. I don't even know if March 6th was the beginning of the tag port or the end of the tag part, but... It only matters what's the end of the tag because no one does it at the beginning. Um, I feel for Lamar. You know, I feel for him. You know, he is, if he was in another sport, he'd be making ginormous amounts of money. Uh, But this is a management weapon. The NFL negotiated. The NFLPA has never been able to get it out of there. It affects a lot of people, not just the 10 people a year that get the tag. I used it in all my negotiations, although I never applied it. It's something teams have in their back pocket, and the Ravens will probably use that, which makes it very hard for Jackson to get a good contract. Um, And the Geno negotiations are going on, and the Daniel Jones negotiations are going on, and Aaron's going to decide what he wants to do. Derek Carr is a free agent as of today, I think. So this will all go on. I think, you know, what what inside – front office people have to do which is so different than fans is just stay the course you know now we we enter the longest off season in sports so you just gotta take a deep breath you know these things will happen usually like you said at deadlines and try to you know con- it's all the agent too it's like you got to have communication relationship with these agents because that's where, where it is right now and you're going to talk you're going to meet at the combine you're going to meet at the owner's meeting, all those kind of things. You think they could trade Lamar? And if so, what does the market look like for him? I mean, with the money he wants uh, and the injury history, et cetera, I-, I wonder how strong that market would be for them to try to deal him if they can't get a deal done. Well, again, it depends what happens with Rodgers and others and how many quarterback needy teams there really are after the musical chairs of where Carr lands, where Aaron lands, if Jones and Smith stay, where Garoppolo lands. And then you have all these uh, draft quarterbacks that people seem to like. So I don't know if there are going to be as many quarterback options as we think. And there's one school of thought that Tom Brady retired because he surveyed the market and there wasn't really anything out there. Mm -hmm. So who knows? That's just a theory. But, yeah, I mean, I think Lamar – could get traded the issues the contract because no one's going to trade for him without a contract and he's been pushing the watson precedent which no owner wants to do mm-hmm. and that's a whole nother issue but watson got a fully secured deal no one's ever gotten that at five years so and was, we'll see and was arguably the worst quarterback in football this year i mean it, it you know it, it's, it's a matter of whether or not at some point i wonder if these owners are going to wake up to this and say giving some of these guys these second tier quarterbacks first tier kind of money that's that's not necessarily a winning strategy, but your point is a good one in terms of, you know, I agree with you. You can win with great quarterbacks making big money. The question is, can you win with good quarterbacks making great money? And that's that's where I'm finding myself at a sticking point with Gino and wondering whether or not it's worth it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a valid question. It's kind of a question, you know, I talked to people in the NBA. No one minds paying LeBron or Don Chich or, or, you know, Kevin Durant $40 million. What people mind, these, you know, backup players are making 15 to $20 million. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, in football as well. No one minds paying Mahomes or whatever, but it all comes down to where we started. What do you think of Geno Smith? If this was an outlier year, it's going to be tough to, to validate what kind of number he's going to get. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Hey, good stuff. As always, uh, it has been too long, as I said earlier, so we'll make sure to give you a call sooner rather than later. Uh, you should always be following Andrew on uh, Twitter, and he links to all his good stuff at SI, etc. He is uh, one of our favorites, and we appreciate it. Thanks, man. Have a good off season. Thank you, Andrew. Always a pleasure, guys. Take there, care. There you go. The uh, great Andrew Brandt. And it's a good point he makes, Brock, that you, 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 you can win going all in on a quarterback. But that's not the debate here. The debate, like, I get that. That, that debate can go on elsewhere. Can you win while paying a quarterback huge money? Apparently, yes. Yes, you can. But can you win while paying a good quarterback really good money? Mm. I don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, I think, the sticking point in that headquarters down 405. I, I think they'd love to pay Gino. Everything that we have heard from John Schneider, and I'd be excited to hear John with Bob and Wyman on Thursday, every Thursday, including the Thursday before the draft. The John Schneider Show will now be on our station uh, with Bob and Dave every single Thursday, Salk. And they would love to, and, and he has said that, and Pete has said that, and, and I do believe that they would love to find a deal. And I love the way that Andrew framed that there. You know, these, these deals, you can find deals, but is it how much or how secure? <laughs> you know, which side of that pendulum do you mm-hmm. want to, do you kind of want to lean on and, and put your eggs in? So, you know, there, there is a, a deal to be had, but there also is, as John said a couple weeks ago, there is a bottom line number where it just, I'm sorry, doesn't make sense. I'm sorry, Golden Tate, doesn't make sense. Sorry, Paul Richardson, doesn't make sense. Sorry, Jared Allen. Eating steak it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is what we've got in the kitty. This is, you know, as we do all of our work and spend all of these hours and put the whole framework of the team together and what we do need. You know, this is this is where we can live. I liked what you said earlier and and kind of embarrassed that I hadn't said it myself, quite frankly, because it's something I should have thought of. And I, I love that you did. It's perfect. It's a great idea to think back at what the Mariners did a few years ago with Jerry and everybody in the room, and they went around. We've heard this story. Jeff Kingston was there at the time, and everyone else. They went around, all 10 or 12 people in the room, and said, write down on a piece of paper, can we win a World Series in the next couple of years with this core? And they went around, and they unanimously decided, no, we can't. And so at that point, they decided to cut bait, trade Cano, move on from Nelly Cruz, et cetera, et cetera. You know the story. Drop back in order to take multiple steps forward. A few years later, as we know, now they're in the playoffs and they've got to take the next step. If you're the Seahawks, don't you have to write sort of this or go through the same exercise with the future with Geno Smith? Mm-hmm. Or, or, or maybe there's another way to do it, but you have to be asking yourself if you're going to pay him a significant chunk of money, even if it's not the top of the top, whether you can win a Super Bowl in that scenario. And if the answer is yes, then you should do it. But you better have a plan and a path that shows how to get there. And that is where there is a difference between these two sports. Right, I mean, there and, and we've seen it, and you see it every single year. Playoff teams don't make the playoffs next year in football, and here comes with the right quarterback, the Cincinnati Bengals. 
nearly in back-to-back Super Bowls, right? Like you can turn that aircraft carrier around in a hurry in football. Very hard to do in baseball. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot longer uh, of development and a lot more pieces and everything else. But I do think it is a legit question is as you go around that room, can you win a Super Bowl with Geno Smith? Can you win a Super Not win. And I'll tell you one other little thing. If you like my little Dave Canales thought earlier about Lamar, a little tub time yesterday. And there's one other little variable here when it comes to, and it kind of came into my mind thinking of Lamar. And it's a variable that's bigger than John Schneider and bigger than Pete Carroll. And that variable is there is an opportunity for an owner down the road here to sell this team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I know Jody has loved running the operations. She loves John and Pete. She believed in him. What a year they had. They turned this thing. There's an incredible core of young players here. But if, you know, that trust and down the road and that poison pill expires 24, 25, and they need to sell that team, right? And this is where kind of Lamar came into my mind is like, okay, from evaluation of your team, is it good to be a winner or is it good to be a Super Bowl winner? Mm. Right? If Jody Allen comes in and, and, you know, they entertain her thought and her idea when it comes to Gina, which I'm sure they will, because when you have a deal of, you know, significant millions of, of signing bonus and cash, uh, the owners are involved. And if Jody were to say to Pete and John, hey, listen, can we win a Super Bowl with this guy? Do you believe, Pete, in the next two to three years, you know, where you're under contract here, can you win a Super Bowl with Geno Smith? Mm. I think that that is the, the question that resonates around that building because if that answer is yes, then a deal is done, period, end of story. Then, as Andrew said, how much, how secure, then it's all framework. But if you have a hesitation... I mean, if John and Pete have a hesitation and she reads that and says, well, hold on just a second then, then let's take some risk. I took some risk on you two. I moved Bobby and Russ out of here. I took some risk and believed in you. Now you take some risk. Let me ask you a question. How can you reasonably say yes to that? And it's not a shot at Gino. I know people are going to hear me and be like, Salk, you hate Gino. Just get over it. 69.8%, 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, fifth in QBR in the league. How can I reasonably say yes? Because as Pete said, week after week after week after week. Beat a lousy Rams team twice. I mean, like all the same arguments you made earlier. You're going to win a Super Bowl with Gino Smith? A Super Bowl? Paying him big money? I'm sorry, man. That's really hard for me to stomach. I get what Andrew Branch just said. I'm not against it, but it's really hard for me to say out loud, you're going to pay Geno Smith big money and win a Super Bowl. That's that's That would be a reach, and that's not a shot at him. I would say the same thing about a lot of other quarterbacks in the league, and I hope he makes himself some cash. He deserves it. Are you going to win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill? No. Are you going to win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins? No. Are you going to win a Super Bowl with Kyler Murray? Nope. Are you going to win a Super Bowl with Derek Carr? Probably not. Are you going like to win to see a- Derek Carr in another environment before I give you a full answer on that? Are you going to win a Super Bowl with the thirty-eight-year-old Aaron Rodgers? Maybe. Let's see Maybe. how this darkness retreat goes. Maybe, yeah. I mean, not not tomorrow. <laughs> he's, he's he's living in the darkness somewhere. But yeah. eventually, yeah. Maybe you might. Yeah. You going to win a Super Bowl with Herbert and Burrow? Maybe. Josh Allen. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's only, again, this, you do this exercise because there's only three, four, five guys yeah. 
on this planet that I think you feel you good enough about them, saying then why that. are you paying a lot of money for somebody? That's the question that I come back to. I'm not worried about, about you know, could you win with Jalen Hurts and a, a cast of characters around him? Yes. Could you win with Geno Smith and an unbelievable cast of characters around him? Yes. If you put Geno Smith on the 2013 or 14 Seahawks, I think they could advance real far and maybe win the Super Bowl. I do. The rest of that squad was so good. But on the current group? I, no. I mean, you just saw what that looked like. Mm-hmm. It wasn't close to Super Bowl contention. It, it had its moments. It was good. But it wasn't Super Bowl contention. No. If we did this exercise in 2012. <laughs> no. Are you going to win a Super Bowl with Russell Wilson? Well, you didn't know that yet, and that's why I'm not right. answering it for any of the kids I don't know about. Right. I'm not saying you can't win a Super Bowl with Richardson or any of these other guys because mm-hmm. I don't know what they look like at the NFL level, and and that's up to John and his scouting staff to try to figure out. But in terms of winning a Super Bowl while paying Geno Smith big money, no, it'd be hard for me. Do I think you could do it with Drew Locke and, and a lot of other people around him? Probably not either. But the advantage there is I'm not spending as much money on the quarterback. The problem with Geno, even if you kick that can down the road, is if you go through a couple of years of Geno and you sign somebody else, et cetera, or draft somebody for the future, you got to pay that Geno salary off down the road. And that's the thing that would worry me a little bit about going down that mm-hmm. that route. So mm-hmm. uh, there's no easy answer, clearly, for the nope. Seahawks right now. There never is unless you've got a Patrick Mahomes and then things get a whole lot simpler. But what do you do next? Been taking calls on it throughout the morning. See if we can take a few more. 866-979-3776. It's Brock and Salk. Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com.